Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 21, verses 1 through 14. Y'all, while you're getting there, also let's praise God for all of our music this morning. Amen. Also, April is Volunteer Appreciation Month, and I want y'all to know we've got volunteers all over that make Sunday mornings and Thursday nights happen, and let's praise God for all of them. Amen. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with their fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And this is, how, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples and after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. And now may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we will be challenged, changed, and never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are continuing our series called The Easter Effect, and we are talking about how the, East, how the event of Easter should have an impact and a change and effect on our lives. And we started out on Easter Sunday talking about with, because of Easter that we can have real victory. Also, that we 
receive a new glorified body. In other words, this body is not our home, all right? And we, we have a, a new glorified body that is waiting because of the resurrection and that we can make it through any of our dark Fridays. And then Pastor Kim talked about what's next for us as we, uh, as we move into this next step with, uh, after the resurrection. And she talked about how we are to go and tell and we are to obey His commandments. And then last week we kind of got into, we're, we're starting to talk about some of the persons that were involved after the resurrection and how the Easter effect played an impact on them. And the one that we talked about last week was Mary of Magdala, Mary Magdalene, and, and, and how when she heard the voice of Jesus calling her name, when she heard Jesus call out her name, it made such a difference in her life. And we should be listening for the voice of the resurrected Christ. And so we're going to talk today about Peter and the disciples. It's more about a group, not just one person, but Peter and the disciples. And what do they do after Jesus comes and, and he appears to them in the room? He, he there blesses them. He, he breathes the Holy Spirit in them. Uh, and he gives them a commission. He says that just as the Father has sent me, now so do I send you. In other words, what you've seen me do, now it is for you to go and do the same. My mission that I have is now your mission to do. And so what is the first thing that the disciples do after this appearance? What do they do? They go fishing. That's right, they go fishing. Look what happens there, verses 2 and 3 of John 21. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. Now I have preached on this before, and I have heard others preach on this, that how in the world after experiencing the resurrected Christ, could you just go back to what seemed like business as usual? They were fishermen, and that's where they had first met Jesus. They, they were fishermen at that time, and it seems at first read that maybe they were just like, well, this didn't work, Jesus is risen, this thing's over, let's uh, go on back to fishing. But as I've studied it more and prayed about it, this time I felt a different leaning with this scripture. Actually, I believe it wasn't a bad thing that they went back to fishing. Because you see, sometimes in order for us to remember where we've come from, we have to go back to that place where God first worked in our lives. Amen? And so maybe here, as they were having to start over with this mission, with this newly, miss, newly uh, given mission to them, maybe they just felt like they needed a reset to start, and so they get back to fishing. And I want to talk about today, how can getting back to fishing refresh the Easter effect in our lives? How can, if we are getting back to fishing, how can that refresh the Easter effect in our lives? And so let's look at that for a few minutes this morning. Number one, when we get back to fishing, Jesus reaffirms God's power. When we get back to fishing, Jesus reaffirms God's power. 
See, maybe they remembered when they first met Jesus and decided to say, let's go and see if he shows up again. They remember going. Uh, you remember that first time. It's in Luke chapter uh, 5 that whenever Peter and the disciples, they had been fishing, they had caught nothing. All of a sudden, they see uh, something awesome happen as Jesus tells them to launch out into the deep. They find themselves in a place where then they catch all of these fish. They saw a demonstration of God's power in that place. So why not go back to that place and see God's power again? You know, there's many times, uh, there's certain places, if you've been with folks fishing very often, especially on creeks in the river and in and, and certain areas in the sound and all, that, that folks find them a good place where they catch fish. And where, where do they go back to? They go back to that place. And sometimes they keep it kind of secret where that place is or whatever. Uh, somebody on Thursday night on the way out told me, Tim, those, those fishing holes like there are called honey holes, and I just thought he said something else, but anyway, the thing was is that, that uh, I found out later it is a honey hole, and, and that, that it is, that's where that place that you go back to each time to fish at. John 21, 6 says like this, and Jesus said to them, cast out the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some, so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. In other words, they went back to where they saw Jesus' demonstration of power the first time, and guess what? They go back to that place and they see it again. Maybe you're here this morning, it's been a while since you've seen God's power in your life. Maybe you're here and you just, uh, you went through Easter, you got through it, and you were like, okay, Easter's there, but what does this mean? Folks, the resurrection is God's greatest demonstration of His power in our life. There was one of the writers of the faith-sharing uh, curriculum that said, he told of an African tribal king who had said when missionaries had come and told him about the resurrection and all, he said that the idea of resurrection was nothing uh, uncommon for them. He said, we've seen resurrections before, but the fact that Jesus is still alive, that made the difference. And folks, that's the greatest demonstration of power. And so I just pray that we will get back to fishing so we can see God's power demonstrated again. Number two is this. When we get back to fishing, Jesus reestablishes the importance of his commands. Listen, whenever we go fishing, we try to use certain lures or baits, and we know which ones work, and we try to do those. There's a certain motion sometimes whenever you're reeling in and all that you want to make the bait do a certain uh, dance or whatever that will attract the fish and all. I know whenever I caught the bass that I showed down there, it was on a little spinner bait, and I never caught anything else on that little spinner bait or on one like it. But I still tried a whole bunch because if it worked to catch that one, it obviously was going to work to do to others. But there's certain things we want to do again to reestablish. And Jesus' commands are something we want to do over and over again. Look at how the disciples saw that work early on in Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. Now, you remember they had, been, they had been fishing all night. Jesus had been teaching as they come in that morning. He was teaching. He gets on their boat. And look at what he says there. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. 
Now, here's the thing. He says, Master, I know, you know, you might think you know something about fishing here. Don't really know you right now. But anyway, we've been fishing all night, and we have caught nothing. And you're telling us to launch out there into the deep again and drop our nets. But Peter says these next words that I've hoped and prayed that every one of us will be willing to say to Jesus. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. At your word. I know it doesn't, it may seem crazy, it may look funny, it may not seem like uh, that it's going to work, but Lord, if you're telling me to do it, I know that your command means something, and I'm going to do it again, and so that I can see you do it again. And that's exactly what he does in John 21. They end up letting down the nets. Uh, Jesus tells them to throw on the other side. They do that. They follow the command of Jesus, and it fills the net up with fish again. I heard a preacher years ago say a great phrase that I think every one of us should want to walk in. It's called, obedience brings abundance. And folks, I don't know about you, but there's some certain things in my life where I want to see abundance. Amen? I want to see abundance of love. I want to see abundance of grace. I want to see abundance of deliverance. And I want to see abundance of God's blessings. But it's never going to happen without my obedience and without our obedience to His commands. And it's when we get back to fishing, we are reminded of what his commands are. And number three is this. When we get back to fishing, Jesus rekindles the passion of his call on our life. Every one of us are called to go and fish. And we should have a passion to go and fish. I'm, I'm talking about fishing for people. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 that's the other story of him calling his disciples. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. I'll make you fishers of people. So that means his call to us, if we're following him, we should be fishing. Amen? Now look, you can tell who has a, fish, uh, who has a passion for fishing. I'm talking about the sport fishing. Uh, you can tell who has a passion for that by how much they fish even when they're not catching anything. Amen? Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, I love fishing. But if they're not biting, I'm ready to do something else. I'm ready to put on my sunglasses, sit back and soak up some rays or something like that. But I'll go ahead and tell you, my dad, he has a passion for fishing. And I saw it whenever we were really little. We'd go with him and my granddad and all, and, and we'd walk out there, and they'd have a couple of chairs, and then they'd have one cooler. Now, I'm going to tell you what, that one cooler, I, the part I could never get by was in that one cooler. We had ice, we had Coca-Colas, we had whatever uh, sandwiches or whatever was in there, and in there with all of that was the fish. <laughs> I remember pulling the, you know, those old bottle Cokes, and I remember pulling them out, and I'd smell off them a minute before I wanted to taste it, wipe that thing off with some salt water or something. But anyway, but, but I, I, everything went in that one cooler. But I remember he would fish. We'd be fishing off the surf, and he'd be surf fishing, and 30 minutes, hour, whatever goes by, I was ready to go if we weren't catching anything. In fact, I was trying to make me a little bed on top of the cooler over there just to pass the time away. But he kept fishing. And he kept fishing. You know why? Because he had a passion for fishing. Amen. He has a passion for fishing, folks. And let me tell you something. If we have that kind of passion for fishing for people for Jesus, Amen. then we are never going to get tired of doing it. 
then we're never going to stop doing it. Whether we catch one fish or whether we catch a hundred fish, we're going to keep fishing for the kingdom of God and helping to bring that good news to others. Listen, that rekindle of that passion was seen in John 21, 11. So when Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Now some scholars have had different, uh, different theories about what this 153 meant. But some scholars most believe that it possibly was the number, this 153 was the number of the known people groups during that time. Whenever Jesus said to go out and make disciples of all nations, there were not nation states at that time. It was all different types of people groups. And they believed that 153 were the known number of people groups during that time. So whenever Jesus, whenever they pull in this harvest, whenever they pull in this net of fish, and there's 153, he's saying, I want you to go out to all nations, to all people, and have a passion for fishing for me. Folks, we have to get back to fishing. We have to get back to reaching people with the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Let's get back to fishing and build up the kingdom of God. Some years ago, we were in, a, um, in an evangelism workshop, and I remember Eston Brinkley, who's here this morning, and part of our church, he and Katie are part of our church now and all, but I remember him uh, having this one presentation that, that they brought, and, and it's, it's, it just was so incredible. It's called A Plea for Fishing. Now, whenever we're talking about fishing, we're talking about fishing for people. Listen, listen what this plea for fishing was. Now, it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish. And the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, these who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish, the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defending fishing as an occupation, and declared, declared that fishing is always to be a primary task of fishermen. But they did not fish. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. They loved slogans such as, Fishing is the task of every fisherman. They sponsored special meetings called Fisherman Campaigns and the Month for Fishermen to Fish. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing and to promote fishing and to hear all about the new ways of fishing, such as new fishing equipment, fish calls, and whether any bait, new bait, had been discovered. Problem was, they didn't fish. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. Oh, come on now. The pleas was that everyone would be a fisherman, and every fisherman would fish, should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. In addition to regularly meeting, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were fish. 
The board hired staffs and appointed committees and held many meetings to define fishing, to defend fishing, and decide what new streams should be thought about. But the staff and committee members didn't fish. Large, elaborate, and expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, the psychological reactions of fish, and how to approach to feed and feed fish. And those who taught had doctorates of fishology, but they didn't fish. Many who felt the call to be fishermen responded. They were commissioned and sent to fish. But like the fishermen back home, they engaged in all kinds of occupations. They made all kinds of equipment to travel here and there to look at fish hatcheries. Some said that they wanted to be part of the fishing party. And they felt called to furnish fishing equipment, but they still didn't fish. One young fella left the meet and went fishing, and the next day he reported that he caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to help tell how he did it. So he quit fishing in order to have time to tell all about how he caught those fish. And he no longer fished. They received the ridicule of some who made fun of their fishermen's clubs and the fact that they claimed to be fishermen but never fished. They wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, were they not following the master who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? Imagine how hurt some were when one day a person suggested that those who don't catch fish were not really fishermen at all, no matter how much they claimed to be. Yet it did not sound correct. Is a person a fisherman? If year after year, week after week, they never catch a fish, is the one following if they are not fishing. Folks, it's time to get back to fishing. We're to, we're to, we're to serve and we're to do all that we can in the church, but folks, if we're not going out there and fishing, for the people that's in your very life. And it can be as simple as just an invitation. Just a simple invitation to church. We can catch the fish that God is placing in our, in our realm of persuasion. And we can catch those fish and bring them to Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, in this place, this morning, may we get back to fishing so that we have something to tell and to share with others. Lord, the fish out there are hungry. Maybe there's some of us in here that are hungry as well, Lord. We pray that you will right now fill us with the power of your resurrection so that we will get back to fishing. We will see your power demonstrated. We will find your commands reemphasized that the passion of your call to fish will be rekindled in us. In Jesus' name, amen.